Hey guys, this is Pete. Before we start the show, I just wanted to give a quick shameless plug for my debut novel entitled Frankenstein, A Life Beyond. It's the first direct sequel to Mary Shelley's classic and follows Ernest Frankenstein, the sole survivor of the original book. Like mystery, adventure, romance, horror? Then this is the ebook for you. Check it out today on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and my website, EnceladusLiterary.com. That's E N C E L A D U S Literary.com. Thanks. Now on with the show. Welcome to Hindsight is 2020, a show where we look at anything in this world and arrogantly say how we'd fix it. And I can prove it with my usual flawless logic. These two idiots. <laughs> we give our thoughts on movies and TV shows that should or should not have been. No foreign army has ever occupied American soil until now. Watching Red Dawn again? Or? With your host, Pete Wolverine! And Greg. North Korea? It doesn't make any sense. Well, I don't think they'd come all this way just for Spokane, yeah. And we slowly and mercilessly beat our subject to death. I'm a Wolverine, and my hatred keeps me warm. A Wolverine, so you Russians best be warned. Shooting commies, drinking gear, blood peeing in the radiator. Look up there, here comes a really angry Russian helicopter. Ah! It has been a red dawn. And it is a red dawn. So, Truly. Oh, man. We're, <laughs> we're here with a, a special... Well, every episode is just a very special episode. But this one kind of cuts at the heart of my youth and we have some uh, additional guests that we're going to bring on to talk about it further but we are discussing originally the 1984 red dawn that was remade i think it was actually shot in 2009 and then it was released in 2012 with a whole big Lionsgate MGM bankruptcy fiasco and then there was another movie that we're turned on to on Netflix we'll get into but we're discussing Red Dawn. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> and if you hear an additional voice on there, that's a uh, a young man coming to us from the southern tip of the world and shouting to the heavens, Wolverines from Brazil. So and no one knows what I'm talking about because not only is the word different, the yeah, animal doesn't exist here. So wait. <laughs> So this was actually brought up by our special guest, Carrie, and so we're uh, tackling Red Dawn, and we'll approach this as we usually do. We'll jump in and say where we came uh, to this film series, which I'm just stunned as hell to suddenly say that there's a series now because we have kind of an offshoot that we're going to work uh, into. What was the title of the uh, the Australian film we watched? I I text I got a text uh, message calling tomorrow, but it was what was the full name? Tomorrow when the war begins, I believe is the title. Gotcha. So that's on Netflix. So I guess we'll we'll go around the horn here and and say where where does the uh, 
the Citizen Kane of American Invasion <laughs> stories, <laughs> the 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 Patrick Swayze oeuvre come into your life. So uh, Carrie's new here. So where does Red Dawn fit into your world? Well, specifically the '84. Uh, I was a a junior in high school, so I'm not perhaps as young as you made me out to be, but. Um, uh, yeah, you know, we were 16, 17, my friends and I, and, and we just thought the movie, you know, was the shit, right? So it was, uh, it was you know, rah-rah and, and hate the commies, and, you know, it was that, that whole sort of, that whole atmosphere at the time of the, you know, the kind of coming into the end of the, end of the Cold War and, and Reagan being tough against the Russians and everything. And so, yeah, when we had Patrick Swayze, who was wildly popular, of course, at the time and, and going to become even more popular, I think. Um, did anyone even know who Charlie Sheen was at the time? I, I mean, thought everybody just... went because of Charlie Sheen. But... Really? Uh, I can't I can't remember <laughs> where his popularity peaked or started. I, or I think his brother was more popular than him probably at that point on film. Bear. Yeah, uh, yeah Emilio, bear. yeah. He was all, all the girls loved Emilio, so. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, you know, we just thought the movie was awesome uh, in our ignorance, so, but. Uh... <laughs> that, that could be said now, a lot about, about movies that we go back to as adults that we saw as kids. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, when you guys did the MacGyver show a couple uh, a couple episodes back. Well, first of all, I had I did not remember it had gone for seven seasons. Oh my god, seven seasons of that! It was, must have been horrifically repetitive. But I watched it all the time and loved it. So exactly, there's no accounting for taste, as we say. <laughs> and and what about the Roger to the North? Red Dawn was actually something that I didn't come to probably until I want to say the end of high school or early years of college. Um, so I was late to the party. It was one of those movies that I was kind of aware of that people would talk about, but I never really kind of actively sought it out. And by the time that I saw it, you know, it was getting a little bit long in the tooth and the Cold War had ended. And so it didn't kind of resonate quite in the same way. I didn't really have the same kind of childhood connection to it that I think both of you had. But it was neat seeing some of the uh, actors and actresses who I'd come to know over the years in other movies and everything like that when they were a little bit younger. So there was that kind of fun value in that and just kind of reliving some of the um, paranoia, I guess, of the uh, time that it was from. Um, I got to be honest, when I heard about the fact that they were going to be doing a reboot, I wasn't very excited. Nothing in anything I read about it or the trailers or anything really got me up for it. So I didn't go and see it and so it wasn't until we were getting ready to do this show that i went and watched it so that one uh, just kind of flew by me and that's about all i got so <laughs> well i yeah i didn't catch it in theaters either i i, I watched it uh i don't know a couple of months back just kind of because well you know i knew it had come out and i liked the first, you know thought that i liked the first movie and so and then i was like ooh. <laughs> Well, the 84 Red Dawn, like I said, was a uh, a seminal moment when you grow up in a household with three older brothers and woods behind your house is uh, playing war all the time and shouting Wolverines. And, and yeah, it was that, that USA can do no wrong. And now all I think about is uh, the Simpsons skit where it's uh, fighting the commie Nazis <laughs> and McBain because it's just so ludicrous that Cuba and the Russians are going to team up and... They're going to go take a 
nowhere town in Colorado. I, for some reason, I guess there's some strategic point to that. But um, it's interesting now as not just as a film, but as a uh, his, it's almost like a, a perfect historical timepiece. There's a lot of movies from the 80s that people love as movies. But if you want to look at a movie that's like, I, I guess somebody said my equation would be, what was uh, what was the effects on America after 9-11 like in movie form? And you say, well, watch The Dark Knight. It kind of that that fear and and how it was dramatized. Well, Red Dawn is kind of the the 80s version of where we were as a culture just kind of yeah like, i very much agree we're, we're, we're gonna fight back and we're gorillas and even our kids are are gonna be trained to fight these commie nazis who who land in our backwoods and and fight but and it's also very interesting to see not often do you see those little movies from the 80s have quite a a retention rate of actors that you recognize and other things it's it's a pretty strong rate in that movie where all these random teenagers that a lot of them i mean jennifer gray leah thompson charlie sheen and a lot of them it's like their first movie or first big movie and it's kind of like the outsiders you team up with those and you got every big star from the 80s in two movies but uh yeah it was a strong movie but you go back to it now and you watch it and it's like well it's a little week and then uh the remake i didn't see in the theaters and did did watch it and i guess with the going into the remake or the reboot with a uh with a rotten tomatoes score in hand i guess helped me to not hate it as much as some people do because the red rotten tomatoes score is at like 10 percent on the thing or something Ooh. so <laughs> yeah i didn't check the, the rotten tomatoes score. so i mean Ouch. if it's if it's that low i went in with thinking oh this is going to be horrible and thought and came out of it saying well it was not a 10 percenter it would just kind of happen so wait does that take our listening audience down to one person uh for tuning into this you're like red dawn forget it <laughs> i'm not listening to that wait 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 it's got thor in it <laughs> The most popular of all. Yeah, actually, that would have made it really cool if he'd actually like had you know become Thor partway. (laughs) Go meta. Yeah, I mean, you know, their premise was already so ridiculous. Equally, I mean, both are equally equally ridiculous, right? It's just yeah, Korea, North Korea invades us from across the Pacific Ocean. Uh, Yeah, I do want to. I do want to get into that. I do want to get into that. But I actually wanted to start with a kind of general question here. We we kind of mentioned kind of long game connection with the cast and everything. What else from the original do we still either kind of connect with or enjoy? I mean, why why even remake this movie? What still works? Well, for me, I mean, I grew up in a rural area, and we definitely connected with that with that aspect of it. That the kids are are you know country kids and everything, um, and that they aren't that they know how that we they know how to do things that you know if we were all city slickers, so to speak, we we they we or they wouldn't necessarily know how to do so. Well, wasn't it a theme of like every movie in the eighties was? Adults just don't get it. Adults are just oh, yeah. stupid. Teenagers are <laughs> they know how to do it all. Just leave it up to Patrick Swayze and Charlie Sheen, they got your back. All right. And that's kind of where it led to. Every 80s movie was these adults are so stupid. 
<laughs> yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, the other wildly popular film when I was in high school was, of course, Footloose. And that was all about how crappy adults were. So Yeah, same thing. Adults are so stupid. But when you get into the reboot, uh, you know, pass that around. What did you? I, I kind of tipped my hand there. What I thought of the uh, Chris Hemsworth reboot, but uh, what what are the thoughts? Uh, do, are we in agreement with Rotten Tomatoes on this show, or, or what? What are the thoughts on the reboot? I didn't think it was like unwatchable. It just wasn't. There wasn't a whole lot of substance to it. And I know yeah. that kind of sounds strange given what we just said about the original, but <laughs> but um, yeah, it just didn't feel like really anything was kind of organic or connected or there wasn't any kind of real energy to the film, I felt like. I mean, that was my biggest problem with it. Yeah, I, I think... Well, of course, you know, I, I had much fonder memories of the first film because I hadn't watched it since the 80s and so when I saw the the reboot I was like oh god this is terrible <laughs> I don't remember the other one you know I didn't remember the other one being so bad I didn't remember everything being so like you said I, I agree it was just kind of they were there and they were act they were kind of acting but no one seemed very excited about the movie uh, yeah there wasn't a lot of energy that I got out of the movie it was just sort of going through the motions yeah, my my comment was it felt like they were working through the checklist. Yeah, come on, it, yep. but yep. but it had, but it had the adopted son of Kidman and Cruz in it, so making his coming out party. So how how could it not be good? <laughs> See, that's the problem. It's adopted. Uh -huh, no exactly. <laughs> There's no genetics there. He's just there to look. To, what? Uh, okay. Well, so we have another movie that got thrown into the mix this this week. To the Australian film there, which I'm still going to keep blanking on. It's just called Tomorrow. <laughs> to me, my mind is called Tomorrow, Tomorrow when the war began. Tomorrow began. when the war began, or something or another. I, so. I think it's began. Is it no, there was, began? began. Yeah. Oh, okay. Tomorrow when yeah. the war began. So uh, this movie has. Okay, so we're talking to someone who lives internationally, so I can say this from my my myopic vision <laughs> in Ohio. It has no one we know because it was an Australian yeah, I... production entirely in Australia. And honestly, the biggest surprise I had from the movie, outside of some other things we'll get into, is when the credits started rolling, I saw Stuart Beatty as a director. And I've not gone in because I just finished watching it not too long ago, but... I recognize that name, and I don't know what else he's done, but I know the name Stuart Beatty, and so that was the only name that I grabbed onto when that movie ended. And thinking this is an all Australian production, but uh, it was it was interesting. Um, so what what about the the Man of the South who turned us onto this Netflix gem? What did you think of Tomorrow when the world when the world ended or with a war beginning in the Earth, whatever it's called? <laughs> When the war started the world, sure. No. Um, yeah, I, I, I just, I thought it was, I thought it was much better put together. Well, um, let me, let me ask and, you this: how, did, how did you come across this movie? You know, I can't remember anymore. Um, I think I just, you know, was looking at. I think I probably looked up Red Dawn on on I, on the IMDb, and if you scroll down, they always say people also watched or liked these other movies. And that was how I found it. So I I I I borrowed it from the internet, 
and um, watched it, and I was like, wow, this is pretty good. I thought the characters were, the interactions between the characters were were better done, and yeah, it just seemed a little bit more organic, um, and I, the premise is, I think, you know, I know we're going to put off talking about the premise too much, but I thought the premise was perhaps a bit more believable just in the senses of scale and the fact that Australia is much closer to the people who invaded it as opposed to the United States in either movie, frankly. Um, and I, I think they did themselves a big favor in that production, and they didn't say exactly what country it was that was attacking them. I agree 100%, absolutely. No, it was it like, was, so there was, it was they just Asia called them stand. like the coalition or something. <laughs> yeah, they called them the coalition, so, you know, who knows who, it what was, it was, was Mon- comprised Mon- of. It was Mongolia, Stan, Japan, <laughs> Kong. Well, they said Vietnam. the flag didn't matter, dang it. <laughs> yeah. I, that's yeah. the one thing I did not get from that movie is... Was this like a? Was this meant to be? This random Asian com- country is starting World War Three, or was this more of like a Russia's invading the Ukraine and the rest of the world staying out of it? I couldn't grasp what they were going for there. Yeah, yeah. When I th- and I think they were just trying to leave that as vague as possible, so as to avoid, I think, a lot of the the believability issues of the. I mean, they left it you know, basically just as a MacGuffin. And it was a lot more focused on the character, the the kids as characters, yeah. Than the first, than the two Red Dawn movies, which were very much focused on, you know, defend America, beat the commies, uh, or and well, I guess the Korean North Koreans are commies too. So yeah. Well, it was it was much less nationalistic. Yes. Um, it was more about these kids, you know, surviving and dealing with the circumstances. Was the focus of the film. Hmm. Well, what I found very interesting is that the uh, the the long-haired kid um, who was like the the bad boy or whatever, I found it interesting. I, I found it interesting that that guy looks so similar to one of the actors in the reboot of Red Dawn, and I thought, is there some sort of connection we're supposed to be getting here? Because he looked just like the the guy who went after his girlfriend in the reboot of Red Dawn or whatever. I'm like, this is. This is really weird. And then the other guy looks sort of like Chris Hemsworth. I'm like, well, they're from Australia, but are they rebooting a reboot? This 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 podcast is going to explode if they're rebooting a reboot. <laughs> uh, remember, yeah, you, you like mentioned a year later, right? <laughs> yeah, you, men- you mentioned how there were uh, delays in releasing the remake there of Red Dawn and everything. Um, the Australian film came out in 2010, so. Yeah, that, would, that just would have been awesome if the, if the reboot came out with Chris Hemsworth and it ended up being a reboot of the Australian movie, which was a remake of the reboot, which was a reboot of the original. That just would have been fantastic. But, well, apparently the studio down there has already announced that they're doing a sequel. Yeah, it did end on a little bit of a cliffhanger there, didn't it? Mm-hmm. The day after tomorrow, when the war continues. <laughs> uh, at the moment, at the moment, the working title is "Tomorrow When the War Began." Two. Ooh, <laughs> clever! That's that's some Australian genius right there. <laughs> and uh, Greg, driving back around to your question about, well, what else did this director do? He is responsible in either directing or screenwriting for. Pirates, the pirate movie sequels. That's uh, Curse of the Black Pearl, Dead Man's Chest at World's Uh, End on Stranger Tides. That's why. Um, 
apparently was involved in the I Frankenstein movie that came out earlier this year. Oh, that's our next episode. We got to do that one. Oh, oh it's begging. <laughs> um, and also uh, the second G.I. Joe movie. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I knew I knew his name. but uh, Maybe it's the first. I don't know. Rise of Cobra. Well, on, on the Australian film here, I did... Uh, I I was pleasantly surprised that it, it it kicked in as extremely cheesy, but what I noticed is that they weren't consi- they weren't uh, caring too much about how cheesy they looked. I think they were caring more about we're going to be as blatantly obvious that we are doing uh, character development in the first ten minutes of this movie. So you're going to see yeah. this person at their their most defining moment and this person at their most defining moment so that that way we have everybody has an individual personality that we can grasp onto. And I was very pleasantly surprised, like you said, Carrie, that this actually turned into a movie that it, it didn't turn into your typical actioner. And I think what they did different that I really... I don't know if I liked it or not, but I was very surprised <laughs> by the lack of sacrifice within the group. Because each of the Red Dawn movies, it's like, oh, well, which one of the main group that gets into the woods is all, is going to be killed first? And yet, by the end of this movie, you pretty much just have two people who went off to go to the hospital and everyone else is around and the dog's still living in the back seat. So uh, it's very interesting that they they did not really sacrifice anybody. That's what I kept waiting to happen is, okay, who's going to die? Oh, she got shot on the bridge. Nope, she's still alive, and she's going to the hospital. This is this is quite odd for this type of movie. Yeah, and that makes me wonder if they were pretty much planning for a sequel from the get-go. You know, the net, thus keep around, uh, keep most of the, the cast around so that they have some continuity between the two movies strictly speaking from a cultural perspective here too i noticed the way that violence was handled in the movie was a little bit different it's for i mean you know a story about invasion and people running around with guns and all of that it's surprisingly bloodless yeah you have to wonder how much of that is budget but yeah there was all there was that uh the hyper christian teenage girl who I you know if this was uh if this was done in America you know that when she shot all those girls in the American version or the they when she shot all the soldiers by the bridge spoiler this American ver- <laughs> American version would have had her like screaming and yelling like Rambo as she shot and then the main girl coming up and instead of just taking the gun taking the gun and smiling and saying now nah, you got it and then they they go off and <laughs> they celebrate. A big thumbs up. And, yeah, yeah. And it was just handled so differently where the girl went up and said, yeah, I know, you just completely violated everything you know, and I apologize, and give me the gun. So it was just such a different for culture. Us. Yeah. Yeah, an yeah, American version would have been a complete stand-up-and-cheer moment. Yeah. But it was very interesting. 
Do we yeah, have she was a, an interesting character to throw in. The the Ellie, I think, was the Christian girl's name. No, Ellie was the uh, main girl. Who I must say. Oh no, yeah, that's right. That, I must say that, well, that, that Robin, actress. Robin is the uh, Robin. Okay, yeah. thank you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Just just because there's three guys on this podcast, I can definitely say that the uh, the main actress is right up my alley. But anyway, let's move on. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh, yeah, that, it was just a. It's it's interesting how when this idea of doing Red Dawn was first brought up this week, and I'm thinking, oh yeah, we can just go over the reboot, and then we can go, how would this be done differently? But now throwing this Australian movie into the mix and just seeing it, it's all of a sudden turning into this. Uh, well, I guess that's how different cultures handle this. So this is an odd sociological discussion. Okay, well, I had, a, I had a question since you brought it up and we were talking about uh, violence and waiting to see, you know, which character is going to get done in in the American versions and everything like that. Are these essentially following kind of like horror movie beats, the Red Dawn films, the American films? Are we looking at horror movies? No, I think we're it's purely looking at war movies. I mean, it, it's just a, from an angle of teenage gorillas protecting their homeland but definitely the first one and sort of the second one are following the beats of you know world war ii movies and vietnam movies it's here's your platoon and you you're losing your guys in the battle i mean it's just typical american war movie stuff i don't think it really equates with a horror movie yeah um, yeah i would tend to agree i mean i think it's you know you start off you're losing the people and you start getting close to bottoming out and there's often a betrayal of some sort um, and then uh, you know things the remainder back together and then there's you know the big dramatic battle slash bloodbath at the end so it's pretty pretty straightforward I think what did you guys think about the way that the remake handled the whole town being invaded? We talked about how kind of arbitrary it seemed in the original uh, 84 film that it was just this kind of out of out in the middle of nowhere, Colorado. Colorado yeah, yeah, really. Uh, well, thing at, in, at least Spokane is near the coast, <laughs> and well, it's on yes. the correct coast to be invaded by <laughs> North Korea. So true, true. Definitely a step in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, I think they even mentioned that. They pointed that out. They made a they made an effort to say this is on the west coast. This is probably the closest and only point that they can gain a foothold. And I guess it works from that standpoint. That's fine. But my my biggest problem with the reboot is. And it also, a little bit in the Australian film, is just how quickly they adapt to this problem. Because in the the original movie, there is a lot of time, at least in you know movie time, there's a lot of time spent with Patrick Swayze and a bunch of crying kids trying to figure out what is going on and what the hell are we doing? And then it took a long time to get to okay, well, we've got a shotgun. I guess we're going to have to shoot a deer and try and survive. Whereas the reboot seemed like, okay, well, we're in the woods, and Thor here is an ex-military, so let's get a training montage and let's start a battle. What? (laughs) And and then the, the Australian film, I think its only weak spot for me, its really weak spot, was... Let's go to everybody's houses. Wait, we've been invaded. 
and let's go hide out and become warriors. So, yeah, in, in the reboot, you know, they had the presence of Chris Helmsworth, the, the military guy, to explain the quick transition into, you know, sort of the guerrilla warriors. Um, but I agree that that's one of the weak weaker points of tomorrow is that there wasn't any good explanation for how they became these great uh, guerrilla fighters so quickly and how they adapted mentally so quickly. Well, I, I uh, see. I, I think that there was, a, it was there was a little bit better explanation in the Australian one, actually, because the 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 reboot was just a mess because suddenly you, these teenagers out in the woods just got invaded. It seemed like two days later they're doing a training montage with their military master Thor, whereas <laughs> in Aust- Australian version, at least they didn't fall into that trap. I mean, you had the 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 criminal delinquent long-haired dude who told him how to blow up stuff and you had the girl who just picked up the gun and sh- the main girl who would shoot but i don't think they ever really delved in too far into uh we are guerrilla military until the very end so i think that's why honestly yeah, it works. Actually, that's true they weren't wolverines no they <laughs> they were wombats <laughs> they, kangaroos it just doesn't work, does it? Joey's! <laughs> does not work. Um, so, uh, yeah, it seems like we got a reboot that worked a little bit, but was it really, can it really be called a Red Dawn reboot, or is it just a movie that they made, or do you de- definitely see a direct link between Red Dawn and the Australian movie? Oh, I see a pretty strong link. I mean... Yeah, sure. They did a number of things differently, and and they certainly focused much more on the characters than on the the conflict and the nationalistic aspects of it. But I mean, the basic framework of the movie is the same. So, but you also have a main girl who instantly knows how to drive mass <laughs> large vehicles without any training or a license and drive them really well. <laughs> Dump truck, yeah. no problem. <laughs> Semi, I got this. Wow, why? <laughs> uh, just, I loved. Uh, there was some parody movie I saw once where they um, actually dealt with the realities of what would happen if you shot a gun. And so I was waiting for that fifteen-year-old Christian girl when she shot the uh, automatic rifle at the very end to uh so I get flown backwards and be deaf. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, she was not a large girl, so No, and yet she's just standing there like Rambo. I'm like, oh okay, that's that I guess that's your American point right there is she can just stand there with an automatic rifle for the first time and mow them down. Why not? Yeah, and she's never fired a gun before, right? I mean she's completely you know, she's very nonviolent and Sure. But she can stand yeah. up to that. Why not? She's strong. She's strong like bull. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> she was she was well braced. So, <laughs> so what? What? I, go ahead. I was going to say I had one other kind of general question. I guess in the original Red Dawn, you know, they sneak down there and they have that little exchange between Patrick Swayze and his dad about you know you guys got to be strong, yada yada yada, and you kind of had that a little bit um, with the sheriff character before he got done in in the remake and everything, but. Aside from um, 
one character's obsession with getting his girlfriend out of concentration camp or whatever the heck they were locked up in there. And I know it's not the point of these films, but I mean, largely the people that they're fighting for have like no role or voice or anything. They're just there for maybe five minutes and then gone, not a factor. Is this a Mm -hmm. problem with these films or is it just we accept that this is the way these stories are structured or... Yeah, well, mm-hmm. you have to you have to find a focus of the movie. Otherwise, you're gonna be all over the place, and you're gonna sure. you're gonna end up being, you know, separated between nine different stories, and you're gonna lose any sort of semblance of a focus. So you have to show here's the people who are out there that we're fighting for. Now let's show them fighting or, or whatnot. I the I was yeah, just, they already, no sorry, sorry go ahead. Oh, I was saying they also. Unlike the two Don movies, they had a lot more. There was a lot more romantic elements to, and much focused on the relationships. Like, for example, between Homer and uh, the rich rich girl, whose name escapes me, and Phoebe. Uh, yeah, and the, yeah, Phoebe, and then between Lee and Ellie, and so there was there was that to focus on too. And I think if they'd thrown in lots of uh, you know concerns about people who were imprisoned or, or whatever that would have, you know, I think Greg's right, that would have yeah, it would have muddled, muddled things a little bit. So. I was thinking in the 2012 and everything, since we spent so much time and effort to get that girl, Erica, out of uh, prison, um, what if she'd actually, you know, said something about her experiences and what were going on with the prisoners, uh, you know, reinforce the need to defeat the bad guys or, you know, accomplish some yeah. specific task or something like that, you know, kind of raise the stakes a little bit. As it is, it's like they break her out and it's just kind of like, yeah, it's cool, we did it. So what you're saying is is that you want to do a reboot of Red Dawn, but from the Schindler's List point of view. <laughs> What are what are these uh, what are these captives seeing as the Wolverines come around? So every like five minutes, you just see some sort of explosion off in the distance. You hear some kid echo Wolverines, and then I'm just I'm just saying make them part of the stakes. That's all I'm saying. Which if, is... if you're gonna go through the trouble to free somebody, you know, really bring that in. They had the kind of tangential. Oh, oh a character got killed because you were selfish and went off and freed your girlfriend. But I mean, it again, the it didn't really have much impact. Yeah, I mean, yeah, she it, didn't. She didn't do anything, and she didn't provide any. I, I agree, it's sort of a missed opportunity for them to have uh, expounded upon how bad the bad guys were, or something. Yeah, I mean, honestly, the original movie did the best to show scope and size of what's going on, because the reboot. Yeah, you went down into the town, and then they did have the military guy show up uh, and talk about it, but the the original. You know, they went to the ranch and got Jennifer Grey and Leah Thompson, and then Powers Booth parachuted in and had a radio talking about where the uh, the bad guys were and where the good guys were and where the demilitarized zone is. And um, I mean, they just they went down into the town a couple of times and saw their parents in the camps. But the reboot, yeah, they they saw them once or twice. But that was the problem with the reboot too, is that. They got in and out of that town way too easily for what's supposed to be an occupied territory. Is they just suddenly, if, if I, and it's been a couple of months since I've seen the reboot, but I mean, just suddenly they show up in town. Hey, we're here. We're now a part of the group. Oh, now we're leaving. 
well, how would you be able to leave that easily in an <laughs> occupied town to go back to your hole in the mountains? At least in the original, mm-hmm. it's like, well, we're sneaking in, now we're sneaking out. And hell, in the Australian one, they just don't even bother. They're just like, well, we're just going to take a dump truck and drive it through town for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason. It's like, well, uh, yeah, I think their, their explanation was that, you know, let's not bother trying to sneak. We'll just get something that we don't have to worry about it with. And, well, yeah, a dump truck would <laughs> be yeah, kind ex- of semi-impervious. So. Yeah, except for the uh, the the inconvenient shards of glass that will be exploded from bullets that are aimed at your skull. But, you know, we're indestructible in this thing. That was, oh, yeah. that was, that was a little weak sauce right there. But uh, uh, no, Well, I mean, but, yeah, there's so much of that in all three of these movies, right? And, of course. Another element that the 2012 story kind of very momentarily brought up, and again, I think we missed a possible interesting story avenue to pursue a little bit is they brought up the idea of there being collaborators and everything like that with the enemy. Well, what if one of their friends who, you know, they were going to school with a couple of weeks ago is one of these collaborators all of a sudden? Yeah. Well, well, yeah, they're, they're, unlike in the first one, there was no betrayal and no talk of collaborators at all in the reboot. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, the the, uh, fir- the original one did have it. It was the... Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Unlike the original, the reboot didn't have any of that. So. Well, I, did it? Didn't a sheriff or something like that go along with him? I thought somebody went along with the bad guys. Well, yeah, but he, but he, he was wasn't bugged. completely turned. He was just like, okay, well, I'm going to do he this. He was to... bugged against his will. Yeah, okay. That's the, right. black, the, the son of the mayor, they bugged him, and he didn't know it. And then he voluntarily stayed behind, too. So they, there was none of that drama of, oh, what do we do um, with this guy who, who sold us out and brought a bug back deliberately. That's so. right. Yeah, I'd forgotten about that. But, yeah, it just seems like what the Australian version did was they decided, well, we're going to take this in a different route. We're going to turn this into our our own version of uh, the Australian Hunger Games Divergent Twilight series. We're going to turn this into our series. This is, this is our crew. Get to love them and get to like them because they're going to be around for a long time. But uh, So it, that was the way that they diverted. But if we were, and since we're hindsight is twenty twenty, and we do this, for everything so what would take the original premise of red dawn and somebody comes to us and says hey we're not going to make this in australia we're going to make it in america again but we're going to reboot red dawn and we want you to do it what what avenues aspects would change versus what they did with the reboot and red dawn and when one of them i can get to fairly quickly but i just want to get your guys thoughts on what if you're rebooting Red Dawn from 1984 and, and Chris Hemsworth wasn't there, so what is – is there a way to reboot it, or would this be an instance of going to the studio and saying, uh, this is pointless? Well, I think, first of all, if you're actually going to try to stay true to the original formula and everything like this – Oh, oh, gee, studio, you're going to be nervous with the suggestion, but people are much more worried about having some kind of war or invasion from China than they are from North Korea right now. And I think that was the problem in the story notes that you read as China originally was. But since uh, they're basically the United States banker, I think they didn't mm-hmm. want to piss them off too much. Exactly. <laughs> so they went to North Korea. Yeah, for me... Yeah, I just have so much trouble getting past 
premise, right? <laughs> it's just like, no, you know, trying to, the idea that any country would think that they could invade and occupy another country far away from them that's the size of the United States is just loony. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, where I'm a studio executive, I would just, you know, shut thing down right there. I'm sorry, the premise is too freaking ridiculous. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. You might be able to work it, work it maybe with like an invasion from Mexico or something. Um, at least yeah, Mexico is right on our border, and they're not a small country uh, by any means. They're like the third most popular populous country in North and South America. Um, and yeah, you, know, you have to come up with a reason, but I mean, you have that problem regardless of who's your boogeyman. Uh, so, so, so what you're saying is, is Mexico and Canada are going to get together behind our backs and call it Operation Sandwich, and they're going to take over the U.S. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't think Canada would Canada would attack us, but hey, you know, with, well, your, with this with this premise is just yeah, you kind of I don't know, maybe you just have to do something like what they did in Tomorrow and make it keep it vague. And not even try to explain it any more than you absolutely need to, because it just gets ridiculous if you do. So you're saying I, that we we don't want to go invade the the United States, young feller? Well, we uh, perhaps we could kill them with kindness or something, and perhaps we could show yeah. them our. our well, you know, if you wanted to be a, <laughs> sorry, go ahead. No, 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 I'm just talking shit. But, you know, if you wanted to be really current and uh, think about something that might really happen. At least is more likely, not might really happen. At least maybe it's more likely. How about a group of American kids at a military base in Japan who are caught there when China invades Japan? Ooh. China's right next to Japan. They're already very pissed at each other over the some islands you know, where they discovered oil, right? And we have a ton of military bases in Japan. So, you know, that's a very, I think that's a fairly, at least semi realistic. Uh, premise as opposed to, you know, China and China crossing the Pacific Ocean to invade, um, to invade the United States or whatever. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, that's, I actually really like that idea. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good idea, but that almost completely is tangential to the Red Dawn story because the Red Dawn story, at its heart, is yeah. about is about non-military teenagers fighting back, you know, guerrilla style. So you, you'd have to have. You'd have to have something unmilitaristic, whether it's okay. I mean, take the idea from tomorrow, but put it in America. So you have, um, I don't know, the 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 American teenagers are backpacking in Europe or hiking in somewhere else when that place is attacked, and then they help fight back. Or uh, there, you could be. How, what's more American than that? Going to the European soil and killing some people who are invading some other people. I mean, that's as American as you can get. So have them backpacking, and suddenly Germany becomes a bad guy again for some reason. <laughs> Germans, <laughs> right? You know, well, or have them go to the Ukraine or something. Right? I mean, sure, backpacking in a it'll turn into Hostel Three. It's a horror movie, but Red Dawnized. <laughs> yep. I don't um, know. This may just be a premise that kind of evaporated with the Cold War, quite honestly. Yeah, I, I kind of think so. It's just, I mean, large countries don't get, you know, large, large populous countries just don't get invaded like that anymore. 
Um, smaller countries, sure, and even that goes poorly. So I think any country would, you know, take a look at invading something like the United States or or Russia or whatever, and just say, oh, no way. Or you could have an instance where it, you know, not to get too. Uh, hopefully, no one's listening to this, but. Uh, wait, that doesn't make sense. Uh, hopefully someone's <laughs> listening to this, but not listening to what we're saying. But what if there's a, some sort of grand scheme of terrorism or something like that where you have 50 terrorists who get a hold of 50 nuclear bombs and go to the 50 major cities of the United States, and suddenly 50 nuclear bombs go off in 50 major cities. Now you can have a red dawn in Nowheresville, Colorado, as they try to fight back against these invaders because with with that nuclear technology in existence on the worst scale of of terrorism and 9-11 that that anyone could imagine that's about the only way you could do something like red dawn is you'd have to show the country you'd have to show the country first and i think that's the biggest thing that they failed to do in both of them is yeah, you want the intimate scale of seeing the invasion, but it would really be helpful if you started off on the national scale to see what is going on and why these high schoolers have to be a guerrilla fighter. Why doesn't just someone from Washington fly in and help them? You have to see the rest of the country being taken down and their help being taken away. Yeah, and I, I mean, in that sense, it's very much like a lot of adult fiction see, right? It's always kids saving the world or whatever, and for some reason there's no con- there either aren't any adults, there's no competent adults or that, and or the adults just get done in quickly. It falls under not competent if you you all, you all get killed right away. Oh, true. <laughs> <laughs> so, are we leaving Red Dawn to the dust of history, or does it? Require or are we waiting to see what happens with Australia's sequel? I, I, personally, I'm kind of interested in what they try to do with it with a sequel. Yeah, yeah. I mean, are they are they maybe aiming for a series too, or they just want to do a couple of franchise films or, or what? I'm curious to see where they where they take that. And I think, like I said, I mean, as we sort of dance around this, uh, the premise can work, but. You have to, you know, it has to be kind of an invadable country, a country we can expect that, you know, uh, doesn't have a super strong military, doesn't have a huge population, uh, and and therefore the ability to to you know, raise and maintain a large army and things like that. So in that sense, especially northern Australia is like you know, that's pretty empty. So yeah, you know, if you wanted to, you get you get there and get get a foothold. Pretty easily, um, but you know, trying to invade the coast to either the east or west coast of the United States—that's tough. There's people everywhere, and military bases all over the place. And so, what just doesn't that just doesn't work for me? So, what you're saying is, is that some bad guy has to invade Peru, and then it, we have to. Come to <laughs> yeah, Par- yeah, Paraguay is under attack. Well, and then yeah, then the kids can hide out in Machu Picchu, and it'll be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> where are you going, we folks? Archaeology We're... and guerrilla warfare at the same time. So. Where are you going, folks? <laughs> We're going to save Guatemala. <laughs> yeah, we'll make we'll make it the formula truly international. The kids are all like hanging out at Stonehenge. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just do a series of films where it's it die hard with a group. The group ends up in the wrong place at the wrong time always. How does this same group of teenagers keep ending up in these terrorist attacks? <laughs> a franchise parody of, of Die Hard would be awesome. Yeah. That's right. Die Hard with group. It's not just one guy. It's a group of teenagers. Uh, it's fantastic. So are we are we saying that Red Dawn is dust to the history books? I, I think the sun may have set, yes. Yeah, yep. And now it is a blue dust. Let's try, I suppose. Uh, and it was, you know, I Chris Helms was pretty good, was reasonable in it. Um, but it just, yeah, it just didn't really hold together. It, it wasn't, it was a very average at best film. So. Yeah, I, I think that's why. I think we got it to the heart of it. It's a story that was of its time, and unlike James Bond, you can't really translate it to a different time. And that's okay. We can let it go. Exactly. <laughs> so are there any more thoughts on Red Dawn before it becomes a blue dusk? I think we just need to go out with one final shot of Wolverines. Yeah. <laughs> Wolverines! <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm looking through my notes here real quickly. but yeah, I, I just had some notes of the action and stuff, and... Uh, how they, uh, how actually, I had one comment about how they wiped out all the Hispanics very, very early on, and they're apparently now like the black people in action horror movies. The black people get to live now, but the Hispanic ones get killed off right away. So, and which one was this? The reboot? The reboot. Yeah, because they killed the, uh, they killed the, was the, yeah, they killed the guy very early on, and then the woman got killed uh, midway through or so. Because it was that Hispanic couple that no one knew that joined the group, you know, that were with the group at the very oh, yeah. yeah. And, yeah, they were toast by, like, halfway at the most, both of them, so. I guess that's a uh, Red Dawn wrap-up, and uh, instead of pitching to some Hollywood person to say, let us write this movie, we're now saying, don't do these anymore. Let's, let's see what they do yep. with uh, the Australian version, but we don't need these anymore. No. Yeah, stick to alien invasion movies. So. <laughs> With superheroes well, stopping lots, the aliens. Lots of, lots of bad things to say about alien invasion movies, too. And, uh, another, another time. There we go. All right. Well, anything else from Columbus? I think we got it. Don't forget to like us on Facebook. Episodes can be downloaded on iTunes or at EnceladusLiterary.com. It is World War Three down there. People are being killed. Opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect those of Enceladus Literary. Oh, what is this, girl talk? Let's go here. Come on. You're better than him. America! Okay, but... Ah!